Welcome to Quilt and Tell, where quilters who love all aspects of the craft, from traditional and contemporary to art and modern, share their passion and perspectives on all things quilty. I'm Tracy Mooney. I'm Lori Baker. And I'm Ginger Sheehy Today, our theme is Classes That Rock. First up, we're going to read a question from a listener who's asking us about sewing machines. Our guest today is the amazingly talented Angela Huffman from Love of Quilting Television. In our Find Finishes segment, our question is at what point does the teacher become the master? And stay tuned to the end of the podcast for a special coupon code. Hello, ladies. Hi. Hey there. How are you this week? It's been a week. <laughs> ah, yes, it's so funny. I feel like work has definitely, it feels like quadrupled for all of us at this point. Like we're all just uh, whew, getting through the day. <laughs> yep, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, I actually had one of my neighbors the other day. Um, I, I've i been trying to get outside um, and I'll, I'll go for a walk, walk the dogs with my husband um, at least once or twice a day. And we have a neighbor who has a dog that's friends with our dog. And well, and we're friends with him too. So we decided we would all go for a little walk around, you know, just around the area. And he turned to me at one point and he said, so Tracy, how does it feel to be a workaholic? <laughs> oh no. So what that's did you what say? I thought. Uh, yeah. What did you say? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I don't think I'm a workaholic. I just think I have a lot of work <laughs> is what I said, because I really, I don't consider myself a workaholic, but we just, Lori and I have been, whew, we have been up to our eyeballs. Well, you too, Ginger. And it's just, it's been hard, you know, like we have so much to do and it's, it's kind of a challenge to do it all from home. So yeah. Well, and we're at that point in in the cycle of the magazines that that even if we were in the office, you're kind of it, under yeah. the gun for a week or so. Yeah, yeah, and, because we have it's being a challenge this time. Yeah, well, because we had four four magazines sort of hit all around the same time. Yep, and I don't know that we've had that for a while, so it's been rough. It, but the good rough. news is we're almost done. That's true. Yeah, and you, then it'll you, mellow out again. It's true. Nice. So you guys that, are seeing a light at the end of the tunnel there? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like I, we, we've had a couple of weeks where, um, like last Monday, for instance, um, a week ago, um, I did not get a single thing done other than oh. I went from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting all day. And this week on Monday, my day was quiet. And so I got a whole bunch of things done right on Monday, which never, never happens. So it was it was kind of exciting. And I've had a couple of really I'm working on Quilt Maker right now. And um, so the September, October issue is actually shipping to the printer today. And mm-hmm. uh, we just have a final insight review is what we call it. And um, go over the magazine one more time, make sure that it, all the pages are in the right order and, you know, everything got uploaded properly. And then it goes to the printer and then gets sent out to our subscribers and goes to newsstands. And 
Um, this time around, I've had a couple of really interesting articles. So Ebony Love has been um, working with me on a new series. And so we actually are putting her second article. It's called um, Love Your Long Arm in Quilt Maker. And she tells really funny stories. It's not really a, you know, lesson article like she's you know we're used to like she used to do for quilty magazine it is more of stories and so it's been really fun picking you know um images and working with her on um you know what her story is going to be for each issue oh i love that oh yeah just anything that's storytelling i'm in i'm there i love it (laughs) yeah and and the fun thing is she's actually been really opening up and telling stories about failures in her, oh. you know, in her business, her long arm business. And so it's really, um, it kind of goes along with what we've been talking about lately about, you know, how we're not all perfect and, and not everything comes out perfectly, but, you know, sometimes you learn a lesson or um, it teaches you something that you didn't know before. And so that's part of it as well. And I don't, and the funny thing is these were all her ideas for doing it. So I love it. I just, I just absolutely love it. Plus she's got this very self-deprecating humor that is just hilarious and comes through in her writing. So yeah, she's just a delight, isn't she? Yeah, she really, really is. Oh, and this is in Quiltmaker? Yes. Yes, it is. I can't wait. I can't wait. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, so you guys. Um, I don't mean to cut the conversation short, but we got a letter that I think you guys um, will want to help answer the question of our listener. Are you ready? Yeah, definitely. All right, cool. So the letter says, hello, ladies. My daughter will be 11 in about two weeks. She has started asking for her own machine and we're leaning that way. The thing is, I'm totally lost as to what to get her that's sturdy and inexpensive. Being her age, she might lose interest, but she might take off with it. Please help point me in the right direction. I'll include a picture of my daughter's first quilt. I did most of the cutting and she did the rest. It was from the Ultimate Beginner Quilt Series from Fat Quarter Shop on YouTube um, with just one block change. Oh, Also concerning what you call yourself, I have a large number of friends who do various types of art, be it graphic, cartoonists, sculptures, multimedia, writers, etc. I always hung out with the weird kids. Me too. Um, (laughs) These people do. (laughs) It's true. It's true. (laughs) Um, These people always refer to my quilting as art, even though I tend to do a very traditional style in extremely dramatic styles and colors. What has been decided is art makes you feel something. If something makes you feel, then it can be art, be it angry or comfortable, whatever. Beth. Nice. Thanks, Beth. That was great. Isn't that great? I loved it. So um, I love what she says about art making you feel something. I think that's a really good um, point to add to that whole conversation. Definitely. Um, So um, I know I have some ideas for a sewing machine for her 11-year-old. But do you guys have any ideas? What about you, Lori? Oh, absolutely. Here's what I think. I think that it's important to buy a machine from a shop because they care that you love it. Mm -hmm. 
They oh. care that mm-hmm. it works for you. So what I would say when we're thinking about a machine for an 11-year-old is go to that shop, that quilt shop that you know and love, and look at their used machines. Mm. The ones that have been traded in, you can get them usually for a reasonable price. And then when the 11-year-old says, ooh, I really love sewing, I want something else, they'll take it as a trade-in and you can buy something with a few more bells and whistles. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really, really good point. Um, I always suggest that people go to a shop, don't buy something online, don't buy something at Target or Costco. Um, because when your child is having trouble, either threading it or there's something going wrong, uh, with bobbin or what have you. Um, I know sometimes my each of my kids has been completely different and some of them like to listen to me and sometimes they don't like to listen to me. And <laughs> yeah. if they don't like to listen to me, I can just bring them to the shop and the person at the shop, That's they'll right. listen to the person at the shop, right? And another thing that I think is that that a machine that doesn't work well for an experienced sewist is hard. Mm-hmm. But for somebody that's a beginner and the machine doesn't work well, you might just turn them off forever. Mm-hmm. Very, very true. Very, very true. Oh, and I love the idea of starting that relationship with a shop already at 11, you know, like yeah. being able to go in and feel comfortable and ask questions and, and oh, do yeah. that. I love that idea. Kids I, I, I have a soon to be, yeah, I have a soon to be 11 year old. So I am madly taking notes on all of this <laughs> <laughs> in the hopes that she'll start sewing. I hope. I hope. Yes. I think I hopefully I haven't scared her away. <laughs> All right. Well, I have a couple of suggestions for new machines. Two, to be exact. Um, the first one is the one I always tell, I always suggest for people who are started, who even adults who want to get started sewing, but maybe they have a limited budget. They're not sure if they're going to love sewing. It is the Eversown Sparrow 20. This is the machine, and we'll drop a picture of it into the show notes. Um, It is a wonderful machine. And the MSRP, I believe, and I apologize if I'm getting this wrong, is about $299. But I know that um, my shop where I taught kids classes always had specials. And so it was usually less. And they often threw in this great starter kit. Um, that's also by Everstone that has a rotary cutter and scissors and things like that, all the things that you would need. Um, the thing that I love about the Everstone machines is that they're a low price point, but they're really a great machine. So this particular one is electronic. It has 80 stitches. It has speed control. It has needle up, needle down. It has scissors built in. Um, it is just has so many features that you usually do not see for under $500 in a sewing machine. And so I love it. And it is easy for kids to use. Um, We had a set for the entire classroom at the quilt shop that I worked at in um, Illinois, where I taught kids classes. And I had kids from, well, technically from seven 
to about 13 use the machines. And really, after just a few minutes, they all got the hang of it. They could all thread it. Oh, it has a needle threader built in. So that's another thing that's great. Um, it, it just is a wonderful machine. So that is my my first suggestion for a purchase machine. The second one actually came across our desk. Uh, we got a press release for it on May 4th because it was Star Wars Day. And it is a the Brother LB5000S. That's a mouthful. Um, <laughs> but the thing I love about this is it's a Star Wars themed oh machine. Gosh. It yes. is so cute. I mean, I, I would almost even just get it just to stare at it. Not right. even use it. <laughs> right. Super cute. But the cool thing is that it's not only a sewing machine, it's also a beginner embroidery machine. Nice. And it the MSRP is $499. Um, unheard of for a, a combination embroidery and sewing machine. Am I right, Lori? Yep. <laughs> and I think doesn't brother also offer um, you can get the uh, embroideries and I know they have Marvel, but do they have I think they have Star Wars on there as well. They've got uh, uh, so you can actually get embroideries. Um, you can buy the them and um, they are compatible with those machines. It actually has 10 built in Star <gasps> Wars embroideries. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah. That is and awesome. it's got four face plates that you can switch out to, with different characters on them. <sighs> Super cute. So, and I think that's a great one for, for girls and boys who absolutely love Star Wars, right? Or maybe they're into cosplay. Yes. And speaking of cosplay, there is actually a machine that I am just about to use because we are getting ready to film the next season of uh, Con Crunch Challenge. And Singer is one of our sponsors. And they have got the, this is a mouthful too, CP6350M. And this is a sewing machine specifically. It is the cosplay edition, which is just very cool. It's sitting in a box on my desk at work. I'm dying to get it out so we can start playing with it and just see all the bells and whistles and what it does. I saw it. Yes, I know. <laughs> it is so, very cool. It's yes. got kind of a funky feel to it that's very um, otherworldly, worldly, yeah. if that makes sense. So it, that one seems very cool. Um, yep. So we'll have to get a picture of that and post that yep. as well in the show notes page. Definitely. All right. Well, are you ladies ready to go talk to Angela? Yes. I am. Yay. So today we have a very special guest with us, uh, Angela Huffman. So I know Angela because I was uh, able to work with uh, with you, Angela. I was able to work with you on our online education on the Quilting Daily site. I've done two workshops with you. We've done Long Arm Fundamentals and the Expressway to the Free Motion Highway, which is open now for registration. And then Angela, it's also the co-host of Fonz and Porter's Love of Quilting TV series on PBS, which we also produce. Um, and then she's the owner of Quilted Joy Studio in Louisville, Kentucky. Welcome, Angela. We're so happy to have you Thank here. Thank you. Oh, I'm yeah. delighted to be here. I've been looking forward to talking to you guys, so I'm happy to be here. Oh, great. Well, very cool. Well, I think, uh, you know, the kind of the theme of our episode is all about education um, within your craft. And uh, I tell us a little bit about your studio because uh, that's very educational based, correct? Yeah, we don't, we're not a typical quilt shop and then I don't have, you know, like piecing supplies necessarily. It really focuses just on the machine quilting side of the world. So all of our education goes into 
um, free motion and ruler work and computerized quilting for both the sit down quilter and the stand up quilter. So really kind of getting all of my, you know, newbie quilters, getting their sea legs under them, getting feeling like they are confident and ready to try some things on their own. It's a lot of fun to watch that light bulb go off uh, above their heads. Nice. So how did you get started? Like, how did you end up becoming an educator? Um, so I homeschooled my children, which is just a really odd way to get into um, teaching quilting. But uh, I decided I was going to teach my children. Um, we we're going to have a sewing lesson. And I really thought it was going to be like a way to teach, you know, one plus one equals two, one patch what plus one patch equals two. And it became this whole like character lesson for my children where it was all about like doing your best work and persevering and, and overcoming obstacles and cheering on, you know, your sibling and taking pride in your work, all of those things built into it. Um, so learning how to teach to my children, I have triplets. So trying to teach the same thing, but they each learn very, very differently. So trying to teach it at once, but in three different ways. Um, helped me to understand better how to frame information and how to make sure that I'm touching on all those different ways that people take in info. Oh, that's really interesting. I find that great that, uh, you know, were those kind of like where you thought you were going to be going with that or did it just happen that way? No, it totally just happened that way. And to watch how quilting affected them and still does to this day, still does. Um, it just, it, it, there's so much depth of learning that can happen with quilting that is beyond what I ever considered it to be. And I, you know, I see that even today with adults. I see, I see in my classrooms, we, some of our, our, our friends, our quilting friends have this monster, this, this perfectionist monster that lives in their head. And they get into the classroom and they expect perfection from day one when that's not the way we learned how to walk. For instance, we fell on our nose multiple times before we ever learned to walk. And so trying to get them to give themselves a little grace and forgiveness and and learn and enjoy the process and the journey of learning. That's been something I've been trying to kind of encourage my adult learners to embrace because that perfection monster is a nasty beast. I feel like that's been the topic for the past few weeks on our podcast. Yes. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. 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 So did you have a background in teaching before you had your kids or, you know, no. what was the impetus? No, no. It's just when you have children in a herd like that, you know, all at once, <laughs> um, <laughs> they, things kind of just start to happen. I mean, I just needed a way to fill the day, right? And I wanted to sew. And so it became a, how can I go pet fabric and still, you know, entertain them? And, and so it just kind of evolved into a lesson. And I thought it was going to be one thing. And they taught me it was something utterly different. How old were your children when, when you started showing them sewing and quilting? Oh, they were very, very small. As far as going down to pet fabric and sort fabric and talk about color and maybe shape square versus triangle versus circle. But as far as when they actually started to sew with needle and thread, um, that was four years old. Oh, wow. Wow. Now they were highly supervised. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But some of them are, they're award-winning quilters, correct? Like they've actually entered their quilts into different uh, things and have won awards, correct? Yeah, yeah, they've um, they've won best of show at the Kentucky State Fair. They've won blue ribbons on the national um, uh, level as well. They they tell me that someday 
I will win as many ribbons as they have. If I just Aww. keep persevering, I just, I, I just, <laughs> something to I aspire gotta to. Keep, I got to keep trying, you know? Yeah, I'll get there. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Well, very cool. Well, and one of the other cool things is that uh, you are a co-host for the Fonz and Porter Love of uh, Quilting TV series, which is on PBS. And um, how did that all come about? Um, So I uh, was asked to show off long arm quilting for an episode. And I guess uh, I did okay. And they asked me back and they asked me back and it just kind of grew out of there. Um, you know, like anything in life, you, you need to be responsive, you need to, um, you know, do things to the best of your ability and, and um, hope that you fit in with the team. And it all just kind of, uh, the snowball rolled off the hill and I'm just kind of holding on with my fingernails along to the ride. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, but you, you, it's not like you, you just sort of fell into TV. Right. Well, well, so so I do voiceovers for television and radio, but I avoid the front of the camera uh, at all costs, really, before Love of Quilting. I I do some tutorials um, online, but I don't know. It's like a whole other level with with when you're on Love of Quilting, because there's you know time you have to have everything in a certain time because it's got to fit inside of a TV show on PBS and there's all these cameras and there's all these people behind the cameras and there's people, you know, kind of gesturing to you to speed it up or slow it down or go to the next thing. There's, there's like multiple levels of communication happening and I have to speak English in complete sentences. So it's challenging. <laughs> <laughs> and then invariably Sarah, Sarah will be like, okay, and so now we're doing a Y seam on a curve here, Angela. Go. <laughs> no pressure, right? No, no pressure. And and they they turn they turn the light off on the um the machine that we That's have right. on yeah. the set, and so it's it's very dark, and so I'm sitting there trying to speak English in full sentences, doing a Y theme, and and you know, and then of course we have to open it up to show if I'm if I did it well or not. You know, it it yeah, it's a little bit it's a little bit of pressure. Well, and don't forget, you have to keep your hands out of the way of the camera, even though you're guiding the fabric. Right. Yeah. There's all sorts of things to think about as you um, on that show. It's it's a whole lot of fun. I'm really I'm so thankful that, um, you know, Sarah is just an absolute rock on camera and has been such a great source of learning for me and how to communicate on camera, how to break down lessons on camera, because you don't have that that quote unquote audience, those students in the room to kind of judge whether or not what you're saying is resonating or if you need to adjust how you're approaching the topic to get the light bulbs to go off, you're kind of flying blind. And so Sarah is so good at picking up on, okay, and asking a question if something isn't clear. Um, I'm just so blessed to have Sarah beside me on that show. She's fantastic. Yeah, and you're talking about Sarah Gallegos, who is the mm-hmm. one of the hosts. Um, she's uh, the host on the show as well. Um, mm-hmm. That's great. Well, being a person who has actually worked with you and produced um, stuck content that for you, oh my goodness, you would never know in a million years you're even remotely nervous. So if that makes you feel any better, <laughs> like I never, ever, like you always come so prepared. You just, you get up there. You're so confident. I never in a million years would have even thought you were even remotely nervous. <laughs> Well, that's very kind, but I tell you, if you guys were to hook up 
like an EKG or something to me while, <laughs> while I'm on it. You would see my heart is going so fast. You know, I'm just like pedaling underwater, um, you know, going as fast as I can to, to make sure that I'm teaching what I need to teach in the order I need to teach it in a way that resonates with as many people and learning styles as possible and still is a visually appealing as well for that show. One of the things that we're talking about today on the show and and actually have been talking about a lot is that level of feeling comfortable teaching people. Um, was there a point where, you know, in your sewing journey, and maybe you need to tell us a little more about your sewing journey um, over your lifetime, but what was the thing inside of you that made you want to teach quilting and how did that come about? I just thought I was so deeply bitten by the quilting bug. Um, it utterly consumed me night and day. It, it was um, just a place I wanted to wallow. And I thought it was so cool that I just, I wanted everybody else to get bitten by the same bug I got bitten by. And mm-hmm. so I wanted to share that joy and show all these cool things that I was exploring and learning about. Um, so it was really more of a, I wanted to kind of have a social outlet and I wanted to share cool stuff with other people. And so I started teaching just at a local quilt shop. I mean, there might've been three people in that class. It was really small. Um, You know, I was teaching my children at home some things, but I would just teach these very, very small classes at a local quilt shop. And then um, it kind of grew into there. My classes started to get bigger. Um, I eventually, I um, wanted to do more machine quilting and I was working on my grandma singer and it was very limiting in the throat space. And I had to put a, uh, you know, I had to put an index card over the feed dogs because I couldn't lower (laughs) the feed dogs to do, you know, free motion quilting. So I've got this machine like all taped up. And I finally thought, you know, I I love this enough. I'm going to invest in a good machine. And so I got a better machine and then I decided I wanted a long arm and um, that it just kept kind of growing. And um, especially with the long arm quilting, I started to see things that I could help people improve their piecing so that it made it easier for me to quilt their quilts and um, started doing, you know, more classes locally, um, got involved with Love of Quilting. And now I've been, I've taught in Australia. Um, I've taught in Germany. Um, I've taught at major quilt shows across the country. I am just so fortunate to have all these different types of teaching experiences and the ability to teach that. Well, gosh, two months ago, I was on a cruise ship teaching. Um, so it's been a journey and it's been so much fun. I'm, I'm just so blessed. I'm just having a ball. Oh, that's great. Um, yeah. So like I, I think I had mentioned before that I have been able to work with you on a, a couple of online courses that you've done for us. One in particular is the Express Lane to the Free Motion Highway. Um, tell us a little bit about that, because I feel like the way that that course is set up, it's, it's a, it is a different type of course. And the way that you go about teaching, it's just really fun and interesting. So tell us a little bit about that. Well, I have a lot of folks who ask me, they want to, they want to get into free motion quilting and they don't feel like they kind of, they know what they're doing. They played around with a meander, maybe, maybe they've played around with loops, but they don't quite know the progression of where to go from there. So I started thinking about this, you know, the, the free motion highway and you want to kind of merge on slowly because you don't want to get, mm-hmm. you know, you don't want to, you don't want to take off too much, then you can choose. So 
um, kind of ramping them up and, and working with the fundamentals of certain styles of free motion design, whether that's starting with a meander and moving on to more grid-based designs, moving on to more column-based designs. There's all these kind of umbrella types of free motion and how we can um, you know, take them in progression and build your skills in progression and kind of find your happy place because your happy place of what clicks with your brain is going to be different than somebody else. And so trying to find that, embrace that and wallow in that and then start to pick one new thing to grow on. So that's really how I developed that class was kind of to get you up and running slowly and then show you these different avenues that you can take on the free motion highway and pick your path, pick your street and let's go in that direction and wallow there. But if it's not your street, then there's one next door, you know, in the next neighborhood over, let's go over there and try that one. And I think you need to clarify that throughout the the actual course or through the war, the workshop, you have in your quilt, you have actually built lanes that you go in, you teach a certain motif or you show your technique on it, and then you move on to the next lane and you teach another. It's really cool. Like the way you embrace this whole like expressway, uh, you know, to that free motion highway theme, I feel like is really fun and unique. Plus, they get like 40 down, you know, digital free motion patterns that are included in it. So. So you literally, out of 40, there's got to be at least one or two that they're going to love, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. And, and that happy place, you know, put that on your quilt. Don't put six new things on your quilt. Put one new thing on your quilt and then go back to your happy place. And if your happy place is meanders, then it's meanders. But keep growing and keep taking baby steps forward. All those downloads, too, is just um, I find that there's a disconnect initially. If I draw something on a whiteboard and ask you to sketch it on a piece of paper, um, sometimes that translation is really hard for people. So the downloads are meant so that you can put like a piece of tracing paper on top of it and then draw right on top of what I've drawn. And that can help to train your brain in the path. And, and until you can draw it, you can't do it on the machine. It doesn't mean draw it well. It just means you have the path in your brain. You know the direction you're headed and then take it to the machine. This is really fascinating. It feels like a class I'm t- I should take. <laughs> it definitely is. Well, and Angela, I'm so thankful to you because you've definitely two things that I think that stuck in my mind just in working with you and seeing the courses that you've done is muscle memory. Like, I feel like that has been in, embedded in my mind, you know, how important that is. And I mean, when you had mentioned taking it and just even tracing those, getting that muscle memory is such a huge part of building that confidence within the free motion. Um, so thank you for that, because I really, you really introduced that whole idea to me. And of course, I've heard other people talk about it and everything, but you were the first that really kind of put that, that idea in my head, like that totally makes sense, um, that okay. that's how you're going to get better is by doing that. Okay. Um, yeah. And then the other thing was batting. It was so funny because I had never even like, I just thought batting was batting. And you were the first person that had introduced me. You go into such great detail about how important (laughs) it is to pick the right batting for the project that you're doing. Well, I want to learn more about this. Yeah, Yeah. no kidding. (laughs) Well, about batting specifically? Yes. Yeah. So, so batting, um, it can either detract from what you're doing. If, if I'm doing something that has a lot of structure to it, a lot of straight lines, a lot of ruler work, for example, I would not choose a hundred percent cotton bat because that batting is going to not have the loft 
to show off all of my hard work. It's not going to give me the definition of lime to show off all of my hard work. And if I wash it, the whole thing's going to, you know, suck up and all of that hard work of all of my straight lines, and all of my, my structured quilting is just going to go right, right out the window. So, huh. so I typically, I'm not a big cotton batting fan actually, because I just find it not to show off the quilting all that well. And, um, you know, it can have a nice drape, it can be cozy, but it doesn't, I love the texture the machine quilting gives it, and it doesn't give me the texture I'm looking for. So my preferred batting is a blend, um, like an 80, 20, 80% cotton, 20% polyester, or 70% cotton, 30% polyester, some kind of blend, because the poly gives it a little bit of loft, it'll lift up into my quilting lines to give it definition, um, but the cotton will give it that snugly cozy feel when I want to wrap up it. Um, in the couch with it. And the poly gives it a little structure. So if I do wash it, it's not going to, you know, suck up so much, but it's going to, all of that, that hard work I've done, is going to go away. Um, yeah. I, I play with all kinds of batting. So do you wash your, pre-wash your fabric before you quilt with it? Like piece it? Uh, yeah, I probably should. I, you know, I do. But you don't. If it's, okay. No, yeah. I don't. Unless it's like something like um, a batik red or a dark purple or dark blue, something that, you know, makes me nervous. I think it might bleed. Um, but yeah, I probably should, but I just don't. Huh. I'm real. And so now I'm wondering how, when the cotton shrinks, how the blends work, because I really, I've always used cotton. I've always used hundred percent cotton for as long as I can remember in my quilts. Yeah. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan. Yeah. Um, you introduced me to that and then the wonders of wool too. And how I, I really yeah. loved the idea I've of used like wool. when you mm-hmm. use the wool though, that um, it doesn't hold the folds. So if it's something that you're folding up and putting away and maybe only bringing out a couple times a year or something, I love the idea of that. If you're not going to have those creases like you get if it's just um, the cotton. Um, but if you have the wool in there that, um, so I thought that was a, a really cool, a, a new thing that I had learned as well. <laughs> Yeah, wool is fabulous. It's a little expensive, but um, it's an inc- an incredible fiber to use in your quilt. Generally, though, when I use wool, I'm using a layer of 80-20 behind the wool. So I'm doing two bats, um, and I'm over quilting it. So it, it's, it's getting heavily, heavily quilted. In fact, if you know anybody who says, you know, I don't like dense quilting because um, it, my quilt is stiff. So don't, you know, I don't like to do dense quilting. Well, what they're actually saying to you is, I don't like the batting I'm using. When I quilt with this batting, it doesn't give me the snuggles and the drape I'm after. And so my, my challenge to them would be, you know, what other battings have you tried? What other brands, styles, blends have you tried other than this one? Because generally, it's, it's, if they try another batting, then they're going to get a whole different feel after they wash it um, for the different styles of quilting they're going to do. Yeah, I was about to say that when I've used wool, I used it in the hoop um, of my embroidery module for a quilt as you go project. And I layered it with with cotton, I think. Um, But I had never heard about layering batting until I started going to quilt market and started going to schoolhouses of professional quilters. And I was amazed at how many of them 
layered bats and that it still didn't really add much loft. Like I imagined, I guess, in my head that somehow layering the battings would make some really thick, stiff quilt. And that's not remotely the case. Well, especially with wool, because wool um, compresses so well and the unquilted areas, the kink of the wool will expand and push those areas out. And so you can really start to play with positive and negative space um, that the batting gives you as you quilt. It it adds a a whole other dimension, not just um, texture, not just um, visual um, changes to the actual quilting pattern that you do, but the actual dimension of the quilt. It becomes sculptured in a way. See, I wasn't kidding. She's an amazing educator. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's just so easy to talk about something that you are, that you love and that you're passionate about and that you find fascinating. There's so much about quilting that I want to learn, that I want to expand my own knowledge. It's just a huge field of loveliness really to me. Well, and I think there's just so much to think about, you know, we had Terry Lucas on um, the week before last and and we got into this whole very geeky conversation about thread and, mm-hmm. you know, what types of thread we liked. And and honestly, it you could zero down into um, what thread worked for what type of project. And I think batting is the same um, and mm-hmm. quilting is the same. I mean, there's just so many nuances to the whole the whole industry and the whole, all of the products and all of the things that we use. Well, and as we talk about education and classes and learning, my personal belief is that if, if in that very first quilting class you took, if that class was on a Mariner's compass and you could do it right out of the box, no problem. I got it. It, 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 We wouldn't still be quilting because there's the challenge of it, the journey of knowledge of it is enjoyable. There's something interesting about watching your skills grow. And if you could just walk in and, you know, a Mariner's Compass, no problem, I, I would be doing something else. <laughs> I wouldn't find it interesting. Right. I, I'd like to know that I, there's got to be someone out there who started with the Mariner's Compass and loved it. Lori? <laughs> 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 <Glory. laughs> no, I was actually, I'd been quilting for Oh, probably 10 years before I did a Mariner's Compass. Yeah. I still haven't done one. Ditto. (laughs) Oh, well, Angela, thank you so much. This has been great. Uh, Like I said, even just the little time that we've had with you, I feel like we've all learned so much. Um, You know, (laughs) it's it's great. Um, So the name of the course that is currently up, um, you can register. It's called the Express Plane to the Free Motion Highway. And just for our listeners, we are going to have a special coupon code for 15% off. We are going to be, I'll give you guys that code at the end of the podcast. So stay tuned and listen, and we'll give you that. And then we'll also put a link um, to the course for you guys to sign up and we'll have some information um, on how to get a hold of Angela um, but we'll have all that in our show notes so Angela what is the best way for people to uh, to reach out and find out more about you uh, you my website is quiltedjoy.com and I'm on Instagram at quiltedjoy Facebook at quiltedjoy YouTube at quiltedjoy quiltedjoy everywhere just put quiltedjoy and you'll find me Wonderful. Oh, well, as usual, it's so wonderful to talk with you. We really appreciate you coming on today. Thanks, Thanks. Angela. Thank you. It's been fun. It has. 
For our Fine Finishes segment today, we've been talking about classes and teaching, and we wanted to explore a little bit about when the teacher becomes the master. At what point do we feel like that happens? Um, Interesting question. What do you think, Tracy? (laughs) (laughs) And I was sitting here thinking that, um, does that actually happen? (laughs) Do you actually ever get to the point where you feel like you've mastered something? I don't even know if it's a matter of mastering, but just all of a sudden, it's like you'll find yourself. I know, especially when I talk to people who are not quilters and I try to explain things to them and my way of explaining things has become so much better. So even that, I feel like it's a step in the right direction to being able to just, you know, eventually maybe teach things to other people. But it's just so funny. So I think I think there is this progression that happens. Like once you get into it, you do it. And I think a confidence has a lot to do with it. I think it's building up that confidence. So when you do go and either explain a technique or or do something, I think there is that that you do go up a level or, uh, you know, I've, I've seen it happen um, with myself, but then also in people as well. Hmm. I would agree with that. I, mm-hmm. I feel like um, as we teach, we refine our method, we refine how we say we refine our, 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 our samples so we can hold something up and say, look at this place. This is where I did whatever. And, and I think we, we just plain get better. Hmm. And I feel like I've, I've taught a very eclectic group of classes, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, I have taught some in the hoop embroidery classes, um, which was really great fun. Uh, and it was interesting in the in the classroom settings, because I only taught the classes a few times. And one of those times was filling in for um for the owner of the company. And um, it, I find that it was especially nerve wracking, feeling like I wasn't a complete expert, like the owner of the company was, mm-hmm. and, and filling in. Um, however, I grew in confidence, because I actually realized I did know a lot, an awful lot. And and until I was in that classroom setting, I don't think I would have thought that about myself. Um, and then the other experience, the one where I really, I, I really molded the whole class and created it from the ground up was teaching kids classes. And I did that for, uh, I guess, a little over a year. And that was a completely different experience because I think going into that class, I was a little bit concerned because before that I had really only taught my kids to sew and maybe, a, you know, a few of their friends shown, showed them a few things on a sewing machine. Mm-hmm. And I was worried because I, at the time, I feel like since my kids were still young, uh, I felt like maybe I wasn't going to have patience for other people's kids. 
<laughs> which is kind of hard to say out loud because I really, I try to be a very patient person. Um, and the thing that I learned in that class and teaching it was that my heart kind of grew. I I just loved my kids. Um, and um, they all had sort of a special place in my heart. And I loved their personalities and their temperaments. And um, and I the thing that I realized was I had become sort of Zen at teaching them. I have a really unusual way of teaching kids to sew. And I don't think most people teach their kids this way. I show the kids how to do it myself, like show them an example of what to do. And then I let them go and let them do it themselves. And I really try not to correct them too much because I want them to be having fun in the class. And to me, it's more important for them to be having fun and enjoying what they're doing and feeling a sense of pride in what they're making than for them to have a perfect seam from the get-go. Um, but the thing that really struck me about the kids is that they have no fear, mm, like zero yep. fear at all. They will try anything, which is completely the opposite of a lot of the adults that you teach. Yep. And it's so funny that you would say that because this has been an ongoing theme. It is getting over that fear and kids really do seem to like just not have that. And, oh, I miss that. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Lori, you know, you have extensive teaching experience and how did you have any way to sort of overcome that? Did you handle working with adults who maybe had that fear of perfection? One of the things I like to tell people is that we take classes to practice. Mm -hmm. We go home to fine tune. So it's okay in class if if things aren't a uh, hundred percent accurate because you're in class and you're just practicing the technique. You're learning the technique so you can go home and you know make that million dollar quilt using mm -hmm. that technique. <laughs> um, and then the other thing that I always, always, always tell people when we're, when I'm teaching a class is don't point out your mistakes. Oh, yeah. Most people won't see them if you don't point them out. They'll see the overall quilt or the overall project and and they won't see the little tiny baubles that that you know are there because you're the one that made it. That's a hard lesson. It, it is. is. It's really hard. Um, yeah. Ah, oh, but I don't know why we do that. Yeah, it, it's insecurities. It yeah. is because it's, you know, I think you notice those things. And and I think I've said this before, where if I'm just showing a quilt to somebody who's not a quilter, I don't tend to point out my mistakes. But I know it's like if I was showing something to you and, uh, you know, to you two, first thing I would do is probably be like, oh, but I messed <laughs> that up and did that and did that. And I don't know why it's, it's, you know, making excuses for it. But I need to learn to just shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the master of that yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's well, another thing I wanted to say is, is uh, as teachers, 
we may not be masters in everything we teach, but we can be masters in some of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And I feel like sometimes um, people who want to become a master at something teach because it gives them more practice. Yeah. You know, it makes them explore it from a different angle. Right. And and I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Well, I've you had know. an, yeah, oh, go ahead. Go, no, no, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I've had like a really interesting journey because I've been able to work with so many amazing teachers. And I just remember like the first years when I started here, I knew nothing about quilting. So my insecurity was going in and just being able to really understand what exactly it was that they were doing. And I mean, just down to the basic fundamentals of things because I knew nothing. And now like the confidence that I have to go in and work with a world-class instructor, it has skyrocketed because just the basic knowledge that I have now is so much better. So for me, that has been so thrilling to like be able to see my growth just as a producer. And honestly, I feel like my, the courses that I produce are better and better because I have that basic knowledge. Um, So that's been really kind of a fun little journey that I've been on. (laughs) That must've been really challenging in the beginning. Oh my goodness. Uh, terrifying, honestly, because I had worked um, <laughs> with, well, I had worked with um, uh, uh, what was Craftsy at the time. I had come from working with there and I had done mainly the art courses and then I did some cooking and some baking and things like that. But we were all terrified of the quilting courses. None of us wanted to produce them because they just look like such a beast. And I had to laugh when I came for my job interview here. They were like, okay, yeah, and we would want you to be in charge of the quilting part of the community. And I just was like, I really want no this job. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'd love quilting. That would be great. And I'm like, terrified, <laughs> utterly terrified. And oh my goodness. And it's like years later, who would have thought I would have ended up here? So you just never know where your journey is going to end. And then the fact that I would just fall in love with it so much too, like it, it still just blows my mind every day. <laughs> well, they don't call it the quilting bug for nothing. You are yeah. not kidding. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's funny because I was as I was listening to Angela talk about teaching, I, I, you know, there were a few things that she said that struck a chord. Um, But one of the things that really struck me was how she was talking about the progression of teaching and Mm. or the progression of learning and learning different steps and they built upon each other. And, you know, she, what she was talking about was her class and talking about going from meander to loops and swirls and then putting it together and, and doing that. But the interesting thing was that I was thinking about how you learn as you're teaching a class, as you're interacting with students and seeing what they're catching and, and how quickly they're catching on and um, how much you can teach in any given class room period of time. And all of those things takes time to learn. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any way that you can learn it except from doing it and, you know, getting better each time. Yeah. And that's what makes the great instructors, though, are those people that have those experiences, good, bad and ugly, you know, and mm-hmm. being able to share those and, and learning through every every aspect of that, I think, is important. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Lori, you had sort of a different 
uh, go, you went to teaching through, uh, being an educator. Was that part of your learning before oh, teaching or? Absolutely. When I, I loved working the big shows because typically when I worked the big shows, there would be a row of classrooms with the FOF machine in the classroom. And our jobs as educators was to make sure those machines were functioning perfectly. You know, if somebody, if their machine came unthreaded, we'd help them rethread. If they broke a needle, we'd replace the needle. Uh, if something major went wrong, we'd simply replace the machine. And all the while, we got to be listening to the person teaching the class. So we'd walk this circuit of six or eight um, classrooms, and we'd get to at least get part of the lesson that each of those six or eight teachers was teaching each and every time there was a class. Wow. It was amazing. I learned so much doing that. Um, wow. So yeah, much. I can imagine that. Holy moly. I never yeah. thought about oh. it from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you'd have to sit there and say, oh, I hope somebody's machine comes unthreaded because I want to hear what she says next. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it. All right, ladies. Well, this has been a delightful show, and I feel like I've learned a lot again. Me too. Yes. Yep. And we'll both, we'll all continue to keep learning. That's the, that's the joy of it. <laughs> yes, yep. I agree. I agree. And I feel like it's, it's fascinating always to talk to you too and, you know, hear what your, your perspective is. Likewise. Yes. Ditto. <laughs> oh, Ginger, do you have a coupon code? I do. Thank you so much. I told you to remind me. Awesome. This is for <laughs> the course that we spoke about. It's the workshop with uh, Angela Huffman. It is her express lane to the free motion highway. Um, and if uh, just exclusively for our listeners, if you go uh, to the Quilting Daily, you can find it. We'll put a link uh, in the course uh, in the notes of the show notes. And the coupon code will be capital Q, capital T, one five. And it is for 15 percent off. So QT 15 both capital letters and it'll be for 15% off of the price of the workshop so definitely if you're looking to get uh, really in depth with um, just different motifs and and kind of just learn Angela's style and I mean just soak up that great advice um, I highly recommend taking it that sounds great it yep. does all right ladies well we will talk again in two weeks sounds great can't wait me too Bye-bye now. Thanks so much for listening to Quilt and Tell. Remember, you can find more information about our sponsors or what we talked about today in our show description. If you haven't already subscribed, find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And please tell your friends. Thanks for listening and happy quilting. The Quilt and Tell podcast is produced by me, Tracy Mooney. And our executive producer of podcasts is Jared Mayer.